You are tuning in to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah. I am aired every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. In this show, I talk about career advancement, resume revamps, interview expectations, how to stand out from the crowd, how to brand yourself, and skills you need to become a CEO. All of this is on Armed Radio on my show, Let's Talk Careers with Sarah, exclusively on TuneIn Satellite and the Armed Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah. I'm here every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time sharing with you inspirational stories and also tips and advice regarding careers. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Adina Gress. She is the CEO and owner of Financial Concierge, a bookkeeping and medical billing company. Along with her husband, she also a partner of Grace Electric, Inc. for 21 years. She is a personal and business coach who works with multiple types of people from adults to teenagers to CEOs around the country to maximize their company's potential and their bottom line. Adina holds a license for residential care facilities for the elderly in California and works closely with over 30 facilities focusing on their medical billing. She is well known for teaching facilities to create teamwork, how to manage their finances, and minimize collection issues that affect their bottom line. Adina is also a public speaker. One of the things she loves to speak about is how spirituality relates to running a business, boundaries for your business, and how to cultivate a team culture with your employees. Adina lives in Los Angeles, where she raises her four girls, three of whom are already successful businesswomen in their own right. Today's topic will be boundaries for business in a new COVID world and how to make the most of who you are personally and professionally. And what does spirituality have to do with business, whether I own one or work for one? Welcome, Adina. Hey, how are you? I'm great. So uh, the, the topic of boundaries, it's kind of like people kind of struggling with it. And I wanted to share some examples of boundaries. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Before we give an example of different types of boundaries, I always like to start with the basic, simple explanation. Um, Obviously, most people know what it means, but, you know, a boundary is an imaginary line. It separates us, you know, from each other, from maybe you. It separates our physical space, maybe our emotional space, um, even responsibilities, you know, from one to the other. And what your boundaries also also do is they tell other people, you know, how you can be treated and perhaps even how you're going to interact and treat them. So... You know, I, I always like to say, you know, in business, you want to start there, or we can do personal, whichever one works. Um, it's very important to try as hard as you can to define boundaries with the people that you're interacting with. So if you're in a family, you you know, you and your spouse, 
you and your children, your children and you, um, extended family members, you and your, you're an adult, you and your, you know, adult person with their adult parents, um, and, uh, you know, different extended family as well. And so an example of that would be, you know, I always say, you know, what, what works for you? You have to first understand what works for you. So, you know, your typical uh, example in a family setting, you know, I always like to give the American uh, example, which would be, you know, um, everybody wants you to host Thanksgiving, and this is what's done every year, and you're just the biggest house, and you have the most space, but as you got older, it wasn't working for you, for whatever reason, and you decided to announce to the family, hey, you know what, I cannot host it. And you're having to deal with everyone's reactions and feelings. Now, you can do one of two things. You can continue to host Thanksgiving and be angry and resentful and frustrated, or you can come out ahead of it and set the boundary and say, hey, guys, um, my house can't be used this year for Thanksgiving and be okay with living with that reaction or to make it even, you know, easier. I can host Thanksgiving, but uh, I can't do all the cooking. I'm going to need some help. So you're setting a boundary that will eventually alleviate pain, frustration, anger, and resentment. So that's just a, a, you know, a simple off-the-cuff example. Um, in business, we have a lot of boundaries, you know, and it's, it's very, it's very tough to define those in the very beginning when, you know, you're starting a business because you, if you want to, you want to exceed and excel more than other companies that are in the same field as you, you know, you want to be there for your clients, you want to, um, you want to, you know, service them in any way you can. And so you have all this, you know, crossover of no, you have no boundaries. You know, they can call you anytime at night. They can call you anytime in the morning. They can call you during the legal holiday. They can call you during the Jewish holiday. Like, there's no boundaries. And then you start to realize that's not really productive. And how do I form boundaries with giving my clients the way that, you know, they know they can rely on me and count on me, but yet it still doesn't all consume me. Or which client do I want to give a boundary to? Because you can have clients in business and you can't answer their phone at 9 o'clock at night, whereas some clients you know that that's not going to be a good idea because they're going to take advantage. So does that start off with some examples? Yeah, that's a very good example, especially... Um, boundaries are everywhere, like you said, uh, with the families, with friends, with business, with co-workers. It's really important to actually uh, voice yourself kind of like, no, that the other person needs to understand that um, sometimes, you know, it's a no. Right. And saying no to someone else is truly saying no to yourself. Now, when I, I have worked with clients in coaching and business in, in, in personal setting and, you know, uh, industry setting. And I think part of the most challenging, um, part of setting boundaries is first to understand what does work for you? How do I know what works for, for me? How do I know where to set those boundaries? And I think it's important to decide what you want, what you either want out of the situation or what you want out of the relationship or what results you want to happen in the end. And so if my clients don't always like when I say this, but I do believe it to be very true, and I take this to heart myself, 
you have to understand and know and seek out and find out what you want before you can expect someone else to know. So the only way you can really define and make a boundary is to understand what works for you. You know, now we're in the age of COVID. We're in the era of COVID. I hope it's not too long of a time. But we're in the time of COVID and we're not allowed to hug each other. You know, we've been told that the boundary has to be no hugging and no touching. In the very beginning, my children and I were discussing the other day how in the very, very beginning it was like, okay, don't slap each other like high five, kind of like elbow it. You saw people doing it on the news. You saw people doing it on the street, right? And then everyone was like, no, 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 don't touch. And now everyone, don't touch, don't elbow, still wear the mask. So we have been put automatically because of the health risks that are going on and the and this COVID-19, we have been told these are the boundaries. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there are those, uh, some of us who, you know, whether it's a different city or a different community, have stretched those boundaries. You know, everybody quarantined. And then it came time where people wanted to, you know, uh, protest and they stretched those boundaries. Or, or everybody quarantined and somebody wanted to make a simcha and they stretched those boundaries. But we were given boundaries. We were given boundaries, and we were told, listen to those boundaries, because here's what can happen if you don't follow them. Now, take that extreme example, okay, and bring it into your own life, and understand that if you don't know what you want, and you don't know how to define how to get what you want, you cannot expect that of another person. Right. If you don't know, so, how can you expect? Right? So I always say design your own life. Like, for example, if you were going to meet with somebody about designing a room, let's say you were going to either redo your whole house, okay, because that's what we're really asking people to do who have no experience with boundaries, okay? And, and I will say, and I know this for a fact just from my experience, different, I would say it's like, it's like I'm, you know, I'm an Orthodox Jew, right, and I'll be talk to someone who's not Jewish at all and someone who's like Italian and they'll say, oh, the Italian and the Jews were, were the same way. Like our mothers give us guilt and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll try to, you know, kind of like show the similarities, right? So I know that there's different parts of the world and different communities that have different boundaries that are like better than other. You know, if you're from a good, smarty family, chances are there's no boundaries, okay? You know, everyone's just expected to just kind of do it all and be it all. But there's a lot of people, just, it doesn't work for. It doesn't work for them. So if I were to tell you, here's a brand new house, and you're going to design this house, or here's a brand new room, and you literally get to strip it, nothing in it, start from scratch, what kind of couch do you want in that room? What do you want? What kind of chair, bed, linen, paint color, picture, design, lamp, right? You're going to put exactly what you want into that room so that every time you walk in that room, you have that sense of joy. You designed it. You wanted that paint color to coordinate with that couch, linen, etc. That's how you have to think about setting boundaries. You need to, if you never did it before, and I'm saying something to somebody out there listening, and they're like, wow, this is a new concept. It's literally starting from scratch. There are people in your life that are not going to like it. But it's to your benefit, and you will rise up with better relationships, better connections. Either the people in your life will button up 
NLC based on how you're defining your boundaries and they'll stick in to the, to the long haul of your journey we call life. Or they won't and that's not maybe who you need to be around in the first place. I can, I can honestly tell you through, through, through easy and not too easy, painful and not too painful, when I changed certain parts of my life that included a very set, clear boundary, yes, there were certain relationships, personal and business and otherwise, that fell to the wayside. And I lamented over it, like I literally grieved over it, but I was better for it because I could not continue to live my life without a sense of certain boundaries. Mm. That's exactly why people are kind of like struggling. So how do you define um, what is it that you want? So we'll take the personal, you know, first. Um, you know, I, I always I always start off with what is what does your gut tell you? Okay, what what do you feel in your gut? And people kind of make fun of that, like I don't know, I don't know what am I feeling? They'll say to me, "What am I feeling in my gut, Adina?" I'll say, you know, if you, if everyone, we don't often listen to it, but a lot of times our gut tells you this. You know, they, they, your, your body reacts to something. You know, you see something you don't like. So, so an easy thing is you see something, you see a car accident, right? All of a sudden you feel it. You feel it. But it doesn't have to be something as extreme as a car accident. If you're around a toxic person and you, you just don't feel great. Start to write those things down. Like, what makes you feel, in a, in a, in a metaphysical way, a drop different? What makes you feel emotional? What makes you feel joy? What makes you feel pain? What start to notice those things. You know, you know, again, I, I wish we would be going to more parties now and all of that, but, you know, there was a time when we walked into an event. And we saw the person across the room who was coming towards us to talk to us. Now, we were nice and we, we ended up talking to them and we had a really, you know, we had what to do with them. But something in us like wasn't really enjoying that conversation. But we did it because they're there and we're there and so why not? So first pay attention, start noticing, start to notice what you metaphysically feel when it comes to certain situations. That's a very, very important thing. I, I, ha I have to tell you that, you know, as a, not as a kid, but like as a teenager, I had a stomachache. My st I never had stomach issues. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes my stomach would bother me when I was around people who were really, really not nice. And, and, and the example I always used to give is my kids would say to me, Mommy, Mommy, could I sleep over so-and-so's house? Let's say her name is Riska. Mommy, Mommy, could I sleep over Riska's house? Riska was so mean to me in school today. Could I sleep over her house? I would say, wait a minute. You just told me Riska was mean to you, but why do you want to sleep over your house? That answer is what we do with, a, what, even we do it as adults. The answer is because even though someone was mean to me, I want so badly to be wanted and needed with that person. I'll just cross over the fact that they're not nice to me, right? And a child can't always express that. She, they can't always say that. We as adults, we do it too, but we should be able to express it, at least to ourselves. 
Meaning, we went and we saw that person. We had that friend. But every time we got together with that friend, we just, it just, we came home, our brain was drained. We had no more energy. We have to start looking at those times. How was my day? Who did I interact with? Who did I really enjoy being with? How did it go? We have to pay attention. So in a sense, I'm, I'm telling you to take your emotional temperature and start to realize who is working for you and who is not. Okay, that, that also goes together with what is your currency, meaning what does work for you? You know, there are some people that it works for them to be around difficult people. No problem. And there are some people that they cannot handle it. But let's say they never had a choice. They had a relative that was difficult. They had uh, this one who was difficult. But as an adult, we have choices. We have choices. So the first step I would say is start to notice your your circle. The circles, um, I once read this great book. Um, I think it was called Chasing Dawn. There's a time of the day when the sun is starting to set. And it hasn't set and it's still light, but it's not dark yet. I think they call it Chasing Dawn. And this guy wrote a book about what life is like when you're not here and you're not there. What does it really mean? Um, unfortunately, he was really writing it from the perspective of he was very ill. And he, on one of the pages, he made a huge circle and a lot of little, a lot of circles in the circle. So he said, you are in the littlest, tiniest circle in the very center. Right? And then the first circle is, if you're not married, your mother and your father. And maybe this, and maybe with your siblings. And then the second circle is extended family. And then the next circle would be maybe your classmates. And he, he extends all the different circles out to the very, very outer circle of your acquaintances, right? So when you look at that kind of like, so to speak, you know, graph on a piece of paper, who do you absolutely really, really need to involve yourself with all the way to the people you see maybe who occasionally have what to do with your life, right? And who of those layers works for you? Now, I'll be the first to tell you that there are people out there who have in their immediate circle, their parents or siblings who are toxic, who are really toxic. And then you have to make that decision for yourself, like, so I still want to be key with other aim, but it doesn't mean I can take every you know, every single thing at face value that my mom and dad are saying, we're obviously talking about adults right now, but we can talk about children at a different time, you know, and I really love my siblings, but this one is not understanding who I am and my choices in life, and so therefore I can only have this kind of a relationship with them. You have to kind of see who's in your life and see what value they have in your life when it comes to boundaries and how you can make boundaries with them. I've, I've had to do it in my personal life and my family. Like, and, and, and I don't even, like, I say that like as if it just happens overnight. It didn't happen overnight, sir. I, I am not a proponent of people saying, oh, I don't talk to my mother. I don't talk to my siblings. I'm not an advocate of that at all. Because family is family, and when we cut out family, it does affect us in many ways. But the... The surface of that is that it doesn't mean you can have a wonderful relationship with your mother and your father as an adult, but that doesn't mean you still can't set boundaries. You're still allowed to say, Mommy, Daddy, this doesn't work for me. I love you. I still love you, but this isn't working for me. And that's the hardest, because obviously our parents are the hardest. What he doesn't have in the center 
of that little, the little circle where the word me is, he doesn't have the word Hashem. And that is something that I really, really stress highly is that we're really never alone. We're really never alone, no matter who we are, no matter where we are in life. We are always in the first circle with God. He created us. He is our ultimate father and mother. He is always there for us, whether we have the eyes on that day or that month to see it, right? So I always tell people, someone will say to me, oh, but I have to do this for that that person. I have to do this. I said, the only real person you really have to answer to in life is Hashem. That's really the truth. You know, are you pleasing Hashem? Is what you're doing in your life in line with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us? And then you can start building your life. So the first part of building a boundary is, what is your currency? What is your value? What value do you have? Do you value yourself as a person? Do you think you have what to bring to the table? What you bring to your family? What you bring to your, you know, let's say you're married, right? Uh, you know, they don't talk about this in, you know, when young couples get married. I have two two married children. You know, they don't they don't talk about this in. I don't think they talk about it in college classes, custom classes, or any of that. They don't talk about, it is okay to sit down with your spouse, husband or wife, and have a conversation about something that really doesn't work for you. Am I telling you that you maybe can't work on that? And sometimes in today's generation, that's a little bit superficial. Yeah, it could be. But it's a conversation that you can constantly have, and it can evolve over 20, 30, 40 years of marriage. You know, you often hear really wonderful married couples say, well, my wife knows this is this I just do not go for. And you'll hear it from the spouse as well. You know, and some of it is, well, sorry, honey, I know you hate to change diapers, but we are both the parents. And some of it's really legitimate, you know, a boundary. Mm-hmm. So you first have to know what is your value. What value do you bring to you that you are bringing to this relationship? When you value yourself, it's a lot easier to make a boundary. What means something to you? You know, um, that could be many things. You know, if you, you know, I, I, I have a home where a lot, I don't, pre-COVID, a lot of times I used to have kids from a local um, Jewish, like we have, we have a place here called Chabad Rehab Center. And I would have over Friday night, you know, a lot of young Jewish, it's just men, you know, that's not uh, girls there. Um, and they would come to me. Some of them were never religious. Some of them were religious. A lot of them were religious before, and now they're not religious. And they're in their sobriety journey. And they would come to have a Friday night Shabbat dinner at my house. But in the very beginning, when I just had the guys over, they always wore yarmulke. So I never, you know, whether they were from the minute they left my house, it, it, it wasn't a conversation. In my house, they put their yarmulke on, they enjoyed the potato cooker, everything was great. I started to have girls over who were struggling with the same thing. And again, it was like somebody called me from Brooklyn, a connection, this one who I know, and then this one whose daughter is here. So by default, I just started to have some of the girls as well. And one of the girls used to start, she started coming like in, in camp. Okay, now I am not judging anybody who's wearing pants. I, you know, it's, it's not something that I do. I clearly, I'm, I know many people that do. And, but whatever it was, it was, 
I had seen her during the day at work. I knew where she worked. Actually, that's really how I met her. And I saw her always wearing a skirt. So I guess when she came the first time on that Friday night, wearing pants, I was shocked. Okay, I've had people over who weren't religious ever at all who just never wore pants. So it was a surprising thing to me. So I called my father after Shabbos and I said, I don't know what to do because I, I want to kind of tell her the next time, you know, just don't wear pants. But I don't want to be that person. You know, I want to be like, peace, love, and happiness. We love all Jews. Jews from all over the world. You know, like, that's who I am. So I don't know if I should say anything. My father said one of the most amazing things I will never forget. He said, what was the difference between Alva, Lavinu, and Lot? Lot and Avram Avinu, believe it or not, they were both very into Hashemite worship. Right? But what was the difference? By Avram Avinu, he asked his guests outside his house, wash your hands and wash your feet, and then come into my home. And Lot said, come into my home, and then wash your hands and your feet. What's the difference? The difference is what Avram Avinu was saying was, whatever you have going on, Leave that outside my door. Come in. I want to help. I want to have you in my home, but this is my home, and I want and and, and we are going to have a mutual respect. And I'm going to love you because I want to dress up to him. But whatever else is going on the exterior, whatever you are going on, leave it at the front door. Wash your feet of it. Whereas Lot, he wanted to kind of, you know, he didn't mind. Yeah, bring your garbage inside my house, and that'll be part of our experience. So my father said, you really, you have that right if you want to say, listen, I love you, sweetie, but not for me, not for, even my kids didn't care, but for the spirit of Shabbat and Shabbat dinner, you know what, if you could come in a skirt, that would be great. There was two girls. One, I still am very close with, even though she never came for Friday night again, I'm very close with her, we see each other, we talk to her. The other one, nothing to do with it. It's their journey. You know what I'm saying? But, I knew that if I was going to, because not only did I have them, I had other people also. I wanted to make some sort of boundary. Was I right or wrong? That's up for the, you know, Hashem to judge me. But that that answer. That that was a great advice. That was a great advice. Right. That's what I love. It gave you like a scenario of, you know, what, what, what would other people will do in this situation, especially in Avram's time. And that, that's really kind of like uh, a good example. My father happens to be, just to give you background, first of all, he became from at the age of 13. Second of all, his whole entire life, I grew up like Kirov, Kirov, Kirov. My father lives in Israel now. They made Aliyah. Who does he learn by and work for? Ishatara. Like, Noah was like such a part of our life and our family that even one of my sisters named her child Noah. Okay? So, you know, he was the right person to ask. If my father would have said to me, do you Who cares? Big deal. I would have said, sure, no problem. But... That advice taught me so much. That it really, really did. You know, that you can, even in that sense, because, you know, with Kirov and with bringing people into the fold, we are scared or nervous, you are still allowed to ask for a boundary. And that's why I brought the story up. It's a very sensitive topic. But you are allowed to say, in my home, on a Friday night Shabbat dinner, we wear a skirt. I love you no matter what you wear any other time. But that's what I'm asking for you to do in my home. That was a very big, big, you know, turning point for me. Right. This is kind of like um, you are putting sensitivity 
you know, at the same time, you're kind of like thinking of both ways, how it's going to affect, you know, you and the person right. that is actually, you know, you're asking for boundaries for. Now, um, right. can you define, like, are there like different types of boundaries? Yes, that's a very good question. Yes, I would say um, the easiest boundary is, I, I always say it almost laughing because, you know, I, I've had this in my own family, one of my kids. I have a kid, I have a child who's super huggy, and you can hug her and, you know, literally kiss her and mush her all up. And then I have another child who's like, um, no, that is not happening with me today. You know, so I think the, the number one easy boundary is a physical boundary. Um, you know, know your space, know your place, um, know the friends and, and, and family that you can, you know, give a hug to and, you know, give a high five to and know when they are not that tight and be respectful of it. You know, don't think you're being cute and you're being adorable. You know, my husband always tells us we have a friend in another city and this friend of his, you know, it's my husband's friend, whatever. He's the nicest guy in the world, and every time he sees my husband, he wants to pinch him. And it really bothers my husband. Like, please don't pinch me. So the first and the easiest boundary would be a physical, a physical boundary. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can you know set your boundary. Um, another boundary. So I like to always one of my rules of coaching is you teach people how to treat you. Okay. Now this is this will go in conjunction with the boundary of you. Saying no for you, meaning like this. Um, you know, if you're a young mother and everybody's always getting together with the kids in the park and, um, you know, at this specific time, it's kind of just, it doesn't work for your schedule. It just doesn't work. But you're always doing it because everybody else is doing it. Everybody's always getting together, so you want to be part of that. And your kids like it and everything. But then, for some reason, it seems that they come home and their lives are like, not okay, perfect, but, you know, they're manageable. And you come home and it's just your kids are overtired and it just doesn't work. Sometimes you have to say, no, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm not, I am not going to go, you know, I'm not telling you every day, but you know what? This night I need a normal, settled night and I'm going to say no. Your friends will no doubt be like, what do you mean? Why aren't you coming? How come you're not coming? Oh, like you don't cut, like they'll have a comment. They'll say something. You have to live with your boundary. By living with your boundary, it's good for you. You got to decide if that didn't work for you. And you show someone else, and I'll give you a different example in a minute, that some things work for you and some things don't. And they have to, you know, by default, it's not even that I have to. You're not going to tell anybody, this is my boundary. You will have to X, Y, Z. It will just be that they will know what works for you and what doesn't. So that would be like a smaller uh, example. Um, I, I, again, it's any time that even though it appears, this would be like the definition, that it appears that it's something that's not a bad thing. Like you're thinking, what's wrong with me going to the park with my kids? I'm not, no, no one's asking me to do something like, you know, do 20,000 sit-ups or go jog a marathon I can't do. But anytime it appears that it's something that doesn't work for you, for your family, for your business, okay, morally, ethically, or even schedule-wise, you have to be able to say no to that and you have to be okay with whatever falls out, whether it's a comment, 
whether it's, oh, the next time they didn't invite me to something. You have to do what works for you. Does that make sense? Yes. But also, like, let's say you do that, but uh, those boundaries those boundaries are not respected or kind of like violated. Let's say Okay, so you know, let me let me tell you something. Again, you're gonna have to start this is this is something I say very often. You're gonna have to sometimes not sometimes, sometimes in the beginning I should say, you're gonna have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. That means I'll give you a good example. When I was younger and my friends and I together, I lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I had great friends. I still have good friends from there. Till today, you know, we would, there wasn't a lot of caterers. So like if someone had a Shabarbaka's or something, we would kind of all do it together. Okay. So a typical thing would be like, oh, let's make Shabarbaka's for so-and-so, for so-and-so's child. Okay. We're going to get together. Okay. Who's going to do the paper cookies? Who's going to do the salad? And the word dessert would get thrown in my lap. Okay? Dessert. And I am not, yeah, dessert. You're, Dini, you're going to be in charge of dessert. Now, I am not a good dessert maker. I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, I could make a cake or cookie. It's not like I can. It's not my favorite thing to do. I don't like doing it. And I'm not great at it. Okay? But back then, I would just kind of like say, oh, okay, fine. I would completely be stressing over this dessert. And I would be making it. And... Okay, maybe it came out, maybe it didn't. Either way, I just did not enjoy the experience. I'm not telling you about every experience that you enjoyed, but I came to the Sherba Buckers just a little bit upset and resentful. When I decided, Dini, you're going to say what works for you, and next time something like that came up, and it came up like, oh, okay, so Dini, you're going to do dessert? No. <laughs> no, just make an easy cake. No, I'm sorry, can't do that. You can do another job. Hmm. And I literally had to say no. And I had to sit there for a minute with the uncomfortable, as they say, awkward moment. But I had to say no. And guess what? No one ever asked me to do that for again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they kind of like uh, respected that, you know, without yeah. argument, without like saying, okay. But I, it wasn't even an argument. It was like, oh, you know, they pushed it one or two times, you know, which is normal, okay? And they said, oh, could you please, well, could you please? And I, I had to say, I'm so sorry, I can't. Oh, I, and then a, a funny story happened. That one time I made dessert and I was shaving like the chocolate shavings for the top of these new pies. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy story, but long story short is, we're at the shovel buckets that I brought the pies to, and one of someone's eating it in the kitchen. I was tasting it before we served it, and a friend of mine's husband said, "Wow, this really tastes like milk like chocolate." And I said, "No, I use Torino. You told me to use Torino." Oh. And they said, "Oh, well, Torino has a carb and a milk." I said, "What? Well, I don't know. I use the let's say it was red pack. I'm pretty sure that package is milking. I quickly called my babysitter who was home with my kids and I said, go in the garbage right now and look at the packages. And it turned out, yes, I had made along well, most of it, the tie wasn't, but the shavings, yes, were milking. So never again did I do dessert. However, however, from that experience, I was still asked to do it. And it, it just, it's the most, uh, you know, superficial, ridiculous example. A better example, a better example is that there was, you know, there are people in our lives who are very, they'll do things for us. Um, someone will take your kids to the park, or someone will be like, oh, I'm going.
Or can I pick something up for you? Right? Mm -hmm. And we are often very easy to say yes because it helps us. Maybe our day is crazy. Maybe you have to start a lot of times, and not a lot, 50-50 if I want to be honest. When that person is doing something for us, sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't like work out. Like you're in the middle of handling a million things, they're bringing you the groceries, so you're running outside, your kid is in the bath. Like, I don't know, maybe it would have paid if you would have put the kids to bed and gone your own grocery shopping, or you, you send the girl to the park with your kids, and every two minutes that girl is calling you. She's trying to think she's doing you the biggest favor, but she's calling you that this kid is running away, and this kid. You start to learn to say, no, thank you so much. No, it's okay. You start to do things on your own. You start to take charge of your life. That's not easy. Everybody wants help. Everybody wants someone to do something to, for them. Right. To some degree. It's always right. But when you learn and you, you know, start saying no because you're really, in essence, saying yes to yourself. And if you're not happy... No one else around you is going to be happy. You know, we don't have to look very far in the Torah tells us, Love your friend like you love yourself. Well, first of all, you have to really focus on Kimocha. How are you loving yourself? Are you doing what's right for you? You would often think, oh, that's such a selfish attitude. It's not. By helping yourself and fixing yourself and finding what works for you, then you're able to be a good wife, a good friend, a good sister, a good aunt, a good boss. That's how it works. Right. But what happens, let's say, um, your boundaries kind of like too rigid for for the other person, for example. So how do you well, know... Well, it would really... How would you what? How would you know how to make it the boundary that your other person that you're doing it to is kind it of really like depends on that. So it depends on that other person. So that's where we take categories. So I, when I set my, when I changed my life over in the way of, I worked on myself tremendously. This was when my youngest child was born. Um, a series of different things like this was happening like kind of to me. And I kept, Saying it was everybody else's fault. And I was sitting on the couch with my baby. She was like four or five months old. And yet another story had happened. And I remember I just read this incredible, mind-blowing book called The Twilight, Ten Life Laws by Dr. Phil. And I was sitting across from somebody who came to my house to excuse a behavior that they had done to me and giving all the reasons why it was okay that she had done it. And I remember looking at that person thinking, a light bulb went up. Hashem gave me a light bulb. And that light bulb said, Dini, she doesn't know what she did to you. Do you know what she did to you? Because if you know that she doesn't get it and doesn't know, it's time for you to say, oh, okay, thank you so much. Okay, great. Bye. Have a good day. And start getting what other people don't get it. So when you say a boundary is too rigid, listen, I have lost friends over it. And I'm here to tell you that that's okay. That, that, that there was a time in my life where those friends were amazing with me and great and we had a blast together for whatever, you know, time period that was. Mm -hmm. But I, they aren't out of my life anymore. They are not. And I remember when one of those friends, I remember saying, okay, 
You know, if, again, I, I worked on the outer circle and I worked my way in. So somebody who had very little what to do with, but like just didn't really work for me, so I didn't tell them once in a blue moon. Or when I saw them, I made the conversation pretty quick. Hi, how are you? Have a great day. Bye, good job. Mm-hmm. It's Mazel Club. And I walked away. And I started to tighten up, uh, I would say buttoned up, those circles. Now listen, I, I'm married. I live, I'm married to Hashem almost 28 years. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there were boundaries that my husband and I had to set for each other. That, that's where you kind of learn how the elastic goes. What works for you? What doesn't? What did you not say when you were first married because you never thought to say it, but now you're thinking about it? Um, how has life changed you? How has having children changed your relationship? You know, good, bad, challenging. You know, what have you gone through? I can only tell you, I, I got willing to have another 28 years to go and more, but there were times where I either went out for a walk or I, you know, went to clear my head and came back from that moment and in my head said, okay, this particular thing is not going to be happening anymore in my marriage. Which, by the way, I did on my own at first because I needed to work on me. I needed to figure out what it is that I want and, and how I'm kind of like making all sense of it. And from the story is, by default, my husband got on board. We didn't have a bad marriage. We didn't have a, it wasn't a terrible thing. We had some life challenges that were going on. Intermittent over other challenges. Like they were kind of like layered on top. Um, and it was too much. And, and it was me trying to figure out what, what's going on here. And so once I changed me, because that's anyway the old thing, you know, change yourself, you can change the world, right? My husband saw a new person. My husband kind of by default got on board. And now we have the most open conversations about life, about change, about your feelings. Something that was easy for me to say wasn't always easy for him to say. We come from very different backgrounds, right? So I, I use the marriage because just to say, I use that as an example because that, that is something obviously that is a lot more mountain climbing. It takes work and it takes step by step and it takes a willingness not to give up. I'm not here to say people shouldn't get the blues. When it's needed, it happens. It's supposed to happen. It's what Hashem wants when it happens. But I'm saying that would be, if you're not in that mode and you want to make it work, that takes more time. Why? Because you don't get to say, oh, goodbye, I'll see you in a week. You're in your marriage. Okay? So, working your way back from the friend that you barely see to your marriage, there's a whole accordion of people in between. How does that work? So again, you know, I have a friend who says to me, every time these women go out, they always, you know, they always have a glass of wine with their meal. I am not a drinker. I don't want to drink. I I just don't want to be around it. I said to her, you have a choice. You don't need to go out to dinner with all of them. And she'll say, but but we go out for each other's birthdays all the time. That's our thing. Like, we're the birthday club. You know what I mean? And I'll say to her, so you can change that. You have to just be willing to be like, you know what, guys? I don't want to do this anymore. If that's how badly you don't want it, you have to decide what do you want? Can you tolerate? How about going to meet them, do some appetizers, and then say, hey, I'm not going to stay all night, but I just, you know, keep the momentum going of your birthday. So it, it, 
you know, with that friend, when I was in that stage of really climbing the mountain of learning how to put boundaries in my life, learning about me and doing all of that, I knew that this very, very close friend of mine was going to be the last to go. Okay. I knew that there were certain people I could be like, okay, I won't call you every day or I won't speak to you every day or I can kind of, you know, be a hi, how are you to you? But I knew that that friend, I knew there were some toxic behaviors and I'll never forget. She tried very hard to continue to be my friend. There was, there was a couple of incidents. It wasn't just, I decided you're not my friend. It, it, it let up. Okay. And she came to me once and she said something like, you know, but I still want to be your friend. And I looked at her and I said, but the person that I am, I can't really be a friend to you. I can't. And it's okay. It's okay. And I want to tell you, we're talking about during the nine days. I once went to a shear while this was all going on. The shear was about Avast Israel. And I was very torn. And I came over to the lady who gave the share. I'll never forget it. And I said, you know, I have a, I have a big dilemma. I don't know what to do because, you know, Avast Israel, you're supposed to be, you know, nice and, 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 and loving everybody. But here I have this person who I just, I can't be their friend anymore. And she said to me, she said, it's more about to show not to be her friend. Because by not being her friend and knowing it doesn't work for you, she's at a distance. You can wish her bracha and mazel, and that's all. And when you dive in, you're welcome to have her in mind if you want. But being her friend, or being in a friendship, the way you're, de- you know, that you're describing with this person is toxic, is not good for you. That is not Abba Sishol. Right. This is kind of like a concept that perhaps not everyone realizes it. They right. They might a lot think, of people... They might think, oh, if I'm not going to be her friend, then what am I doing? I'm not showing about this life. I'm kind of like right. doing the opposite. But like you said right. here, if that person is not... If that person is going to influence in a bad way, let's say, right? then that person is actually is not the right person to be with. Right. So, Adina, um, how can you set boundaries? Let's say you have um, a supervisor or maybe like uh, a director who is kind of like intimidating you and kind of like a little bit not friendly. How would you set boundaries and not afraid to think like you're going to lose a job? That's a very, very good question. I think when it comes to being an employee, you know, whether you do it on paper or you do it in your head, you have to come up with what are, what is the threshold? What is the limitations or expansion, so to speak, that you can work with? So, you know, for example, let's talk about time. If you know that you can give your job nine to five, that's your schedule. That's when they think you're going in. They think you're coming in. But then, they ask you, can you stay an extra half an hour? Can you, can you, you know, do this and that, even though you know you have to go? There's certain things you have to be super clear about that are not negotiable. However, what you can say, I believe always that the communication is very key. So either you start this before you start the job, where you say, listen, um, I'll never be able to go overtime, but I will be able to give you, you know, X, Y, and Z fill in the blank, right? So you, it's always good to start off with when you take a job, step back and look at yourself and look at your life 
what's going on in your life? Um, are you a woman? Are you a man? Do you have responsibilities? Do you, you know, what, what's going on besides your job? And what can you give to the job that you already for sure know? And you should speak about that in your interview and talk about that to your supervisor and communicate that. Now, once you're in your job, you know, something could come up, something that you could have never thought of, something that they would have never thought of. You could always say, listen, I would love to do this for you. I would love to be there for you. Um, I can't do this right now, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to what I have to do and I'm going to check in to see if afterwards, you know, there's still extra work to do. So I happen to not like this phrase. A lot of employees in many different businesses, I just had it today by a doctor's office, they'll, they'll say something like, oh, that, that's not my job. It's a bad phrase. Don't ever use it. Something may not be your job. But if somebody's coming to ask you to do something that is not your job, there's so many reasons why they could be asking you. They could be asking you because you're capable more than other people. They could be asking you because they think that they could stretch the limits of your job. Don't say it's not my job. See what works within your threshold and then commit to something that works for you. And if you can't commit to it, you have to say no. You know, I had a, I had a friend who always worked Monday through Friday. She came home Friday afternoon so hairy, so just disheveled and just frustrated. And, you know, she never felt she could catch up before Shabbos started. And for years, she worked in this job. She, she was done with that job after, like, literally 20 years. And for about a year or so, she didn't really have a steady job. But she went on interviews, and she said to me, like, what am I looking for? She, she would ask me. And I said to her, well, we, you know, we were talking about salary and time and her capabilities. I said, listen, it was an interview coming up, and it was for a job that she didn't really have to be there on Friday. She could have, Monday through Thursday, worked diligently and done the job. Something like that has to do with office, office management, accounting, something like that. So I said to her, listen, when you sit down for the interview, right away bring up, can you do this job from Monday through Thursday and not work on Fridays? However, maybe, because it was a firm place, maybe or during a very, like, you know, busy season, you could say, listen, I will plan, I will give you a Friday here or there. But I want it to be that I'm only working Monday through Thursday. She ended up getting the job. The job ended up being very challenging for her. It was a new thing to learn. It was, you know, she was already older and had been working for years, used to a different system. But one of the best things that kept her going through the training and through the challenging times was that it was only Monday through Thursday. She had a three-day weekend, a Friday, a Shabbat, and a Sunday. So that was setting your boundaries ahead of time. But even if you didn't have that opportunity and you're listening now and you're in a job where you have this manager or a uh, person above you is always stretching your limits, step back, sit down, communicate with them and say, look, I see that you're always asking me to do something and I always have to stay later. Lately, it's been really been difficult for my life and what's going on with me. How about every Monday I give you an extra hour? Or let me go home first, let me take a break, survey the scene of my life, whether it's your home life, your children, your husband, whatever it is, and then I'll call you an hour later if there's something I could still do, like because now we're working in a different hour, people can do things online. But it's about communication, and you can't be afraid. If you're afraid to talk to your superior or your boss or your manager, well, maybe it's really not the right job for you. But communication is key. You cannot assume that other people 
will know what you're thinking. And I don't like when people say, oh, it's not fair that she asked me. Life is not fair. It's only not fair or as fair when you decide how you want to respond to that. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I totally agree. I hear a lot of times people will say it's not my job. Oh, but, the worst. It's the worst. But, but you know, maybe it's not your job, but at the same time, you're not growing within your limits. You're kind of like, right. that's where you are. Right. And you wonder, why am I stuck? Because you're not challenging exactly. yourself to go above and, and beyond. And, and as an employer, I can tell you very, like, like a hundred percent, if not a thousand percent, we notice those of us who own a company and run companies. And I also consult with other CEOs and CFOs who run companies. We notice those who step up to the plate, who will say, you know what, let me help you. Okay, let me do this real quickly for you. Let me, and who I always say it's like when they show up. So even though it wasn't their job, it wasn't in their wheelhouse, they said, you know what, let me look that up for you. I'm not sure, let me get back to you. Because I always ask my employees, do what I do for my clients. Don't ever say you don't know. Say, I'll get back to you. Let me see if I can do it. Let's see if there's a margin. You know, and then there's like, for example, I'll have a time where one of my employees is taking off. So I know she's off that day and it was scheduled. So unless the world is coming to an end, I am not going to bother her on that day. She scheduled it. I am going to plan ahead and plan for after. But even this morning, I was at a doctor's appointment and I was kind of like losing my patience. They all, they put us in this, you know, kind of like a waiting place and a holding place. And I was already getting like, where, what's happening? Like, why are we not going in or something like that? And I said to a person who was wearing scrubs who walked by me, now I didn't know, was she a nurse? Was she a technician? Was she, uh, you know, the lowest of the highest? I didn't know. She was wearing scrubs. I said to her, I'm so sorry. Could, could you find out um, like, why am I sitting here for so long when you asked me to come in at a certain time? I've, I've been sitting here for half an hour. And she looked at me and said, oh, I don't know. That's not my job. Hmm. That was the wrong, that was the wrong answer, especially during COVID, because you want to get your patients in and out, right? Her, she should have said to me, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Let me check or find out who's in charge or who can tell me that answer for you or who can come tell you that answer. Or see what's going on. It doesn't make a difference. I don't care if you're the top surgeon, okay, which I have by accident stopped, you know, in a hospital to ask them a question, all the way to the person who's mopping the floor. Don't say it's not my job. Point me in the direction of whose job it is, right? And that, that goes off, that goes with businesses. If you're working in a business and someone asks you a question, especially your superior, your employer, don't say it's not my job. See if you can do it. Because like you just said, perfectly, you really grow by taking on more tasks. And you're showing your employer, you know, I want to help you. I may not know how to, but I'm a team member. Right. And also, I believe that the person that actually does beyond his job description yes. is being recognized. And when that person is going to ask for a raise, there will be no... Uh excuse for them not to give a raise because a hundred percent you know compared to somebody says it's not my job but then asking for a raise it's kind of like doesn't match up so I and, and i'll go a step further as an employer as an employer there are, and not just myself but i've heard this from other people a lot of times we're not going to wait for you to ask for a raise we're going to come to you and say you know what we really recognize the effort and the and the you know how you stepped up to the plate 
and we we just want to say you know either either we'll say here's a bonus or here's a gift or here's you know we, we know that you've up you're coming up for a raise so we want to let you know we've also been thinking about it let's have that conversation you know i can't say that everybody does that because obviously that would be a perfect world but it helps and move the needle further along right i totally agree and communication is the key something that um you feel that you feel like you can you want to do it but at the same time you have a reason not to do it communication is the key i totally totally right. agree right right i had a client a couple months ago pre-covid who is a she's a she's a director and an administrator of a nursing home and she walked into this nursing home like took over someone's job and she felt right away that the people that were working for her, the director of nursing, the floor managers, all the different people, they, they were not being kind to her. Like they, they were not happy with her. As sometimes happens when a new boss walks in or something like that. And she came to me and she said, how am I going to rally them up? Like, how am I going to, you know, there was a lot of drama pre her time. And she just, she just wanted to let them know you can't communicate with me. We're not going to do all this drama on a group text. If you have something to say to me, you're not happy, I want to hear it, come to me, right? So she came to me and she said, what am I going to do? How am I going to get everybody, so to speak, to like do what I want? And I looked at her and I said, you, you have several levels of meetings. You have a meeting that tells the entire team, you know, that you're happy to have your new job. You're excited to work. You've only heard good things about the people who work in this facility. Then you separate that out. Let's talk about the nursing staff. Let's talk about the janitorial staff. Let's talk about the administration staff. And that's how you slowly decide and see who's an issue, who really wants to stick around. And also, you have to tell them, hey guys, I'm here now. I want you to keep working for me. I want you to be the employees that I inherited. But if you don't want me to be here, I get it. I understand. Let's talk about it. And she built a trust with them. What are you angry about? What do you really want? How is it really going to happen? And there was a couple of people who fell by the wayside who really could not handle her being the boss. And after a couple of, actually about a month and a half, she came to me and we were talking about our meetings and how they went and we were following up. She said to me, I said to her, you are the boss. So you have to let the people go who are not doing their job. Literally, and in a nursing home, there's very, very easy protocols. You get written up. There's certain, you know, there's ways to see a person's not doing their job, right? So you're gonna, they're not used to someone writing them up. They're not used to, um, you know, people kind of calling them out on their, you know, calling their bluff, so to speak. Now they have to know that there's a new sheriff in town. So if you're that person that has a new boss all of a sudden or a new manager and you're not happy or something is going to be different, Give it a give it a moment, you know. Let let let's see how the new reign and the new uh you know kind of like administration comes in. You know, they always talk about that when they when we have a new a new president coming in. You know, they kind of come in with some of their own staff, and then they come in with they you know they have to kind of adjust to the to the staff that's been sitting there and servicing the White House for years. So if you're the employer, you know, there's a way to handle it, and if you're the employee, there's a way to handle it. Boundaries in the workplace begin with communication and understanding of what you're committing to. Do not take a job, like it's like don't take a job at a nursing home 
even if it's an office administration, and think you're never going to see an elderly person in the hallway. If you don't like people, that's not your job. You can't work there. So a lot of people who are looking for jobs and want jobs, they are often they often miscommunicate what it is they truly want. Right. Unfortunately, they don't um, they don't identify what their strengths are and what they like. And based on the, I know based on personality, they can get a job, but some majority of them are not aware of that. I totally agree. Yeah, 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 they're not. And, 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 and kudos to them that they're trying to get the job, you know, but you, know, you have to understand what does it mean, you know, to, to, to service the industry that you're servicing. You know, and, and again, you and I have gone, you know, I'm pretty sure to a restaurant, right? right. And, well, one of the things that will keep me to go back to a restaurant will be the service, will be the attitude, will be the ambiance. And those are boundaries. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going into a restaurant that is always kind, always nice, always, you know, has patience for the families with seven, you know, kids or ten kids and they don't care, you're going to go back to them. Now, could it be that once in a blue moon you'll have someone there who won't? you know, be as kind, as nice as everybody else. Yeah, it could be. But you're going to go back. And not only that, but you're going to, because they're so nice and so kind, you're going to ask your children and your family to follow through with that same kindness. Right. So. Right. Adina, I see like you have so much experience in actually um, helping people as a life coach. And if the listeners want to reach out to you, can you share again how they can reach out to you? The best way to reach out to me is my email, which is Adina, my name, A-D-I-N-A, CFO, like a CFO, Charlie Frank Oscar, Adina CFO at gmail.com. I am pretty good at responding. I am on the West Coast, so I'm three hours ahead of the East Coast, so sometimes, you know, give or take the time difference. Um, yeah, I think I think that. You know, people, people have come for many different reasons, a boundary in their personal life, a boundary in their work life. Everyone just has to know one important thing, and that is if you want to set boundaries and you can follow through with them, you will have ultimately a much better life. We, and, and I will just say this as Jews, we live our lives with a certain amount of boundaries. So we sort of have it in us to be able to use, utilize that. Right. All right, Adina, Adina, thank you so much for being with me tonight. My pleasure. Good talking to you. You are tuning in to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah. I'm aired every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. In this show, I talk about career advancement, resume revamps, interview expectations, how to stand out from the crowd, how to brand yourself, and skills you need to become a CEO. All of this is on Armed Radio on my show, Let's Talk Careers with Sarah, exclusively on TuneIn Satellite and the Armed Radio Network.